You're listening to Scaling Up Services, where we speak with entrepreneurs, authors, business experts, and thought leaders to give you the knowledge and insights you need to scale your service-based business faster and easier. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeld. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash Thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash Thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Scaling Up Services. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Adam Weber. He is Chief People Officer and Co-Founder at Amplify. We're going to talk to him a little bit about really what it takes to build a great community, a great culture, great people. And that is going to be key for anyone who's looking to grow and scale. I always like to say we want to we want to scale success, not scale problems. <laughs> so if you've got problems with your culture, with your people, with really kind of figuring out how you solve those things, get those things right before you really double down on growing and scaling it. I think this is one of the, the classic challenges I certainly have as a growth coach is you know, coming into companies and, and seeing some of these kind of fundamental things things not really done well enough before we kind of put the gas pedal down on growth. And, and so I'm excited to have this conversation with Adam. Adam's also spoken at several of the Scaling Up conferences and has been part of the Scaling Up community as well. So an extra extra connection there for those that uh, are listening here who are part of the Scaling Up community may have heard Adam speak or have seen his stuff fly around on the Scaling Up content that goes out. So I'm excited to have this conversation with that. Adam, welcome to the program. Thanks, Bruce. Really excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about background and how you got into this, and then we can talk about all the things, you know, sales, public speaking, you know, all the things that you do and how uh, you work with companies and how companies can kind of gain some insights and benefits from the work that you do. But give us the backstory. How did you get into this? Sure. Well, I always um, I always call myself an accidental entrepreneur. So just to give you a quick version of the backstory, I spent the first 10 years of my career really wandering. I was a pastor. I started a church when I was 22 and, and did really well and became the head pastor when I was 25. Mm-hmm. And then had kids and kind of was realizing I just need to get a job. And I sort of stumbled through academic advising. I stumbled into sales. And then all of that sort of led me to eight years ago, I, I became an entrepreneur and I started a mobile app development company with someone who was one week out of college. And we took our first business called Blue Bridge. We were really fortunate and it scaled rapidly. Our goal, I think our first year was to get 32 customers and we had 100 by the end of wow. our first year. And within four years, we built and sold that business. And when we look back on it, we started to say, it wasn't that we had the best product. <laughs> I think what we did do well, though, was we, we started to scale our culture. We created a really motivated team of people. Mm-hmm. And so then the two of us started to think about, like, what if we made our, our next opportunity around that, like around building high-performance teams, measuring yeah. and scaling culture. And so that's what we did. We took every dollar from our sale and put it into our new business. And, um, and that kind of, I guess, brings you to today where I've actually, so I led sales actually in our first startup, even led sales originally here. So I've kind of a varied background, but ultimately 
the reason I started an employee engagement company is because the concept of building high-performance teams and of creating motivated employees who bring their best self, who think like owners, like that's my work to do. And that's the stuff that inspires me. And so I do it both at Amplify, but I also view my role really as market facing too. Like yeah. people look to companies like ours to try to help find new ways to engage their own team as well. So yeah. that's me. Hopefully that wasn't, I covered a lot of ground in about a minute. So oh, that was excellent. <laughs> no, that was really good. And I'm fascinated. I'm kind of curious personally, like what have you carried over from what you learned as a pastor, as, as starting a church, as kind of leading people in that context to leading people in the business context. I mean, was there a crossover for you? Were these two totally different worlds? Did some of it apply and others of it not? I mean, I'd be curious just to kind of talk a little bit about what you've learned about that just because of your journey and the path that you've been on. Yeah, there's actually quite a bit. It's it's a lot more similar, I think, than people realize. I think some people go, well, how did you go from being a pastor to an entrepreneur? Which, by the way, just a quick plug, because the timing is great with this question. I have a book coming out next month called Lead Like a Human. Vern Harnish wrote oh, the forward for it, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, And it actually lays out that transition. But there's this moment in the book where I I talk about I was basically just I was doing the music there and and it was a two person staff. We went from Mm -hmm. uh, about 10 people to 250 people in 18 months. And through a a, a poor decision of this other person, I ended up having never given a sermon in my life. I became the head pastor of a church at 25 years old (laughs) all all overnight. (laughs) And like Uh I would actually say that moment where I just said yes, and I just did it, I started to realize like, boy, in those uncomfortable moments where you don't back away, but you say yes, there's really a lot to learn there. Um, And I started to ask myself, I would actually just, if I look at my whole life, I would say that was probably the first moment in my life where I was actually stretched. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think I kind of drifted through life a little bit. And in that moment, I go, oh, this is what I'm capable of if I stretch myself. And candidly, entrepreneurship has been all that. (laughs) It's like that moment on repeat every 12 weeks, just like reinventing my job, reinventing the company. Like it's just this constant, like when placed in a situation where you're uncertain if you can do it and yet you still just say yes and say, well, so what am I to learn here? I would say it's just, I mean, that part is relatively similar. Yeah. And I I find that so many entrepreneurial stories have that. Uh, sort of crucible moment <laughs> to use, use terms here. Um, you know where it is. It's like it, you kind of it's a test, right? Like you and you have to decide. You know, like are are you are you willing able to to make that leap? You know, at that point in time, is, is there anything? I'm curious if you've developed any kind of personal heuristics around like when you know that it's it's okay to make that leap. It's okay to make that you know to step into that that new role, and when maybe it's not, or when maybe it's too much of a stretch, or it's not. It's not an alignment or where, you know, there's reasons not to take on those opportunities or to say yes to those things. Anything that you've learned, having, having done this now multiple times, and probably some successful and I'm sure some not so successful that have given you insights? A little of both, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's such a such a great question. I And I think I am still figuring that out. I think the key, though, to me, I really believe in this in like vision and like having a con and like, where are you going? So and do you have a vision for what that looks like? But with flexibility on how you actually get there. And so I think it, and that that is both personally and and as a business, too. Like and so then that, I think, helps give you a little bit of understanding in different situations. Like, is this because the classic issue of an entrepreneur, I feel like, or of a business leader in general is, is this a distraction or is this an opportunity? And you're always kind of weighing mm, those two yeah. on a on a continuum. The other the other part for me has really been the discipline of self-discovery. 
Like I do think an underrated practice for business leaders is like, do I take time for myself to get to know the very fiber of who I am so that when situations come up, I understand if this is progress for me or if this is distraction for me. And I mean, candidly, I would say much of the work of, of the last three to four years has been that work for me is, is truly getting to know who I am, where my strengths are, where I should be leaning in, and what places I really need to be more confident in saying no and cutting out so I have more time doing the things that are in alignment with who I am. It's interesting because it, I think it potentially I think goes against maybe economism or a lot of what we talk about in entrepreneurship of being you know, kind of having the plan and being confident and, you know, 110% on everything, you know, kind of this intensity and confidence and discipline. And I can imagine that developing this this habit or this ability to be reflective and to ask these questions has to come with a certain amount of humility and willingness to be, you know, kind of vulnerable or w- willingness to question one's, you know, one's goal and one's direction and say, look, is this really the right direction? Do you find, do you find there's tension there? Or I guess, how do you see that? Yeah, I think I used to see a lot of tension there. And I think because if you, a lot of the messages you receive as like as a leader is like this brute force, 110% all, you know, which is, there's a lot of good to that because the reality is like, you just don't build things without a lot of hard work and discipline. But I had 18 months into our first business, we showed up to a board meeting. I was like totally rad. You know, just out of gas, not unsustainable. I wasn't in a sustainable place. And um, one of our board members at the time, Scott Dorsey, he was the CEO of Exact Target and had a very successful exit with Salesforce. And he looked at us and he just said, hey, guys, this is a marathon. You have to position yourself for the marathon, not for the sprint. And I think that advice has really served me well to think through of like, if I position myself only for short term success, I will only have short term success. So what I don't think that means Like, I don't want, this isn't some like, oh, don't work hard. It's not that. It's, there's a practical reality that people don't talk about enough, I think, with being a leader. And that is to take care of your people, you have to do the hard work of taking care of yourself. Yeah. 100%. (laughs) I'll double double that down, having been both an entrepreneur, you know, having sold a company and having worked with many, many CEOs in that process. Yeah, I always say it's like self-care. And if you can't show up, you know, balanced, strong, confident, clear, like how do you expect your people to, right? And sometimes that takes some reflection. It takes some questioning. It takes some really kind of pondering things and careful decision-making. And then once you make a decision, yes, be 110% and go all in and do everything that you you need need to do, have to do to make that happen. But you have to go through that self-reflection. It's, it's impossible to, to make good decisions if you don't. Yeah, and, and people want to be led too. And like leaders, what people don't, calm, steady, positive presence with conviction, yeah. like that is a powerful leader. A frantic brute force, their knuckles are almost like, you know, they're holding so tightly to things. Yeah, I think that instills an anxiety and a franticness inside the business too. And you can either act or you can actually become, you know, and I think that the challenge of a great leader is how do I go on that journey to where that's authentic to me, like to where I am actually finding that balance of like, I really care about this work and I really want it. I want my company to exist to its fullest potential and acknowledging in order to do so like these, this is a real part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I find that, um, you know, that the, the journey we have as entrepreneurs, the experience we have as entrepreneurs, you know, shapes us in so many ways. I think the successful ones do that work and, and constantly kind of look at what have I learned? Where am I going? Is that really the path I want to be on? You know, and the ones that take the time to do that and then be super conscious about the decisions they make end up having that longer term success, even if it's 
you know, in the short term, it may mean backing out of something or saying no to an opportunity or getting out of a certain type of business or, or making a hard pivot. Those are hard decisions. But if they're based on uh, a very clear understanding of ultimately where you want to be, I find they, they tend to be much more successful. Right. And even yeah. even more so right now, I just add like with COVID, you yeah. know, and I think prior to this, some people might have fallen into an illusion that I'm just following a very predictable, like, I, if, as long as I do this, 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 well, now <laughs> you enter into an unknown. And moments mm-hmm. like that are very revealing for leaders and entrepreneurs. Yeah. Because now it's like, well, I have to make a decision for myself. There is no playbook. There's no blog. There's no podcast about this. In those moments, I think is actually all the more important. Have you done the work to ground yourself and given yourself discipline around how you make decisions? Decisions too. Yeah, that decision making is, is such an art. So let's talk about employee engagement in terms of how. So it's, I like the story in terms of you know having reflected on your previous company and sort of the success that you had and what really drove it, identifying that, and then hey, let's make that the next company. You know, powerful sort of idea. What was the practical side of you know once you decided that hey, this is going to be the focus of our next company? How did you go? Like, what was next? Like, how did you decide? Yeah. To, like, what's the business model? Like, what are we really offering? What problems are we going to solve for folks? How are we going to solve them? What does the company look like? Tell us a little bit about how that got how you developed that into a real business idea yeah well for us in particular it started with just like asking the question of we basically had this realization that usually a company starts with like a really organic culture solid values that happen really naturally the first handful of employees really exude that then you start to scale and now there's a crack (laughs) and all the things that felt so natural and comfortable and organic now take systems and processes and structures and it's exhausting Mm -hmm. and you and senior leaders at the top of the org start to feel disconnected from the very company that they created and so we initially were just like well what are people doing to, to solve that and you know we started to look at like what other companies were doing and we basically saw to bring that gap between the employee perspective and the leadership was this concept of employee feedback, right? At some point, senior leaders go, well, gosh, what is going on? I don't understand why the team's not performing. And then they say something like, well, let's just ask them. (laughs) And that's really where things fall apart. Because if you ask your employees for feedback and you don't act on it, you actually make things worse. So that was really where the idea started. And we basically looked and we said, so what are other people doing in the space? And we saw all the things that you probably know about turning a survey into actionable data. Like one is kind of this annual survey concept that's existed forever through consultants or through, and you'd gather this data for four months and analyze it for four months only to go back to the company and say that the, the CEO is not transparent and communicative enough, yeah. right? And then the other side was then tech companies saw that and were like, that is so slow and so expensive. We're going to solve that. (laughs) And so they made it really easy to ask questions, but they lost all that scientific rigor. They lost the human relationship, like the value of actually getting your executive team aligned on what the data says, taking the politics out of it. And so that was basically it. The reason we started is we we looked at that concept and we said, this shouldn't be an either or. This should be a both. And so that's what we did. We merged those two concepts together and combined consulting with a best-in-class technology and to try to create like a really a real-time way to gather employee feedback, but with a trusted consultant who can help you understand like what to do about it. Yeah. And what would you say is the problem you're solving for folks? Like what is your solution? What value does it give for folks? Or how do they use use your solution in terms of actually solving 
the business problems and what are those problems? Yeah, there's usually three main issues or reasons why people come to us. One is they maybe and maybe it was right prior to COVID, they had just promoted a bunch of line level employees into management for the very first time. And they dramatically lacked the soft skills and training needed to develop their team and they're wreaking havoc on their organization. (laughs) (laughs) And the leaders need visibility on how to coach and develop those managers. The other is there's like performance issues that they're right now as a leader, you're going off gut feel, you're going off your loudest employees, but you don't genuinely understand with like precision accuracy, what is actually causing disengagement. And then, and then the third is as a leader, the most common thing you hear from employees is like, oh, communication is bad. And then what a leader does is they just throw more communication with the problem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, And what we do is we help with right communication. So by giving you clarity on what the employee experience actually is, we can then help a leader say, hey, here's how you talk back to the employees in a way you can speak their language and you actually understand what is causing them from being disengaged. Or as we view engagement, like what is causing our people from not bringing their best self to work, from not being truly motivated to push the business forward? Yeah. Yeah, it was my favorite communication phrase is the, the, the problem with the communication is the illusion that it's that it's occurred. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> it's like just because I say something does not mean that someone heard it and it doesn't mean that they understood the way I wanted it, them to understand it. So yeah, challenging one. Any typical I mean, I, I'm sure you've worked in many companies now on kind of these kind of problems. Anything typically that you see in terms of patterns or you know, challenges or situations that companies get in in terms of, you know, what what's stopping people from bringing their best their best selves to work? You know, each industry is different and then different seasons change as well, you know. So mm-hmm. like with COVID, for example, like one yeah. of the things that we've seen that's really taken a dip for the first time employees like burnout is a big deal right now. Yeah. And for the first time, it's not burnout caused by work. It's caused by all the things that surround work. It's that yeah. you and I both are doing this podcast knowing there's like a 50% chance our kids are going to bust into this room. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> we even said it to each other before yep. this started. And, yep. yet we're still, <laughs> and yet we're both still trying to work. And that is taking a toll on the workforce yeah. in general. And so how do you respond? How do you like respond to that challenge? Burnout, it, you know, you work with a lot of service firms. Burnout also yeah. um, shows itself in this this like capacity we have we have a driver we monitor called capacity uh, and purpose so those are two different drivers but when those two drivers go together someone working at like full velocity but they don't feel aligned to the purpose of the business Ooh, yeah that in the services industry is like a classic like we have an attrition risk and mm-hmm. or or we're not getting our very best out of those people yeah yeah we're just we're getting a small portion of what they could be delivering if we if we affect address those exactly you, talk to me about the drivers when you when you measure things about people in the context of work? Like, what are the things you're actually measuring? So we measure 17 different drivers of engagement. And those are really like, you know, humans are complicated. And so there's there's yeah. a variety of things that make up what blocks them from bringing their best self. And, and what we do is basically we look at when teeth when a team of, because every individual is different, but when a team, like at least five people are having a common issue, that is basically where performance is impacted inside of a business. So just like, you know, some examples, I've touched on a couple, but it's like meaning. So like the personal meaning of the, does that individual have a why? Mm-hmm. Psychological safety is a big one. Like, can I bring an idea up without fear of retribution? Sure. But it gets into other buckets like, like the leadership, a big deal is leadership authenticity, leadership integrity, decision making. And it, yeah. So obviously things like the manager, their coworker relationships, those things are all included. 
I'm curious how much you're kind of individual focused or team focused. And and I ask because I just I I have found, you know, both as a coach and I'm talking to a lot of kind of experts on organizational development, kind of organizational strategy and stuff. It's just it seems like over the last 10, 20, maybe even 25 years, the nature of work has shifted so much to this kind of collaborative team based kind of type of work or the type of work that needs to get done needs to really be tackled by these things. How how that kind of plays out. Like I can analyze everyone as individuals and kind of come up with general averages and things like that. Or I can look at, well, what are the averages amongst these teams and do I have some teams that are more high performing and low performing and how much I guess how much do you think about I've got to uh, insert myself or or you know do something with an individual or how much I need to work with a team to address these things. I'm curious how your kind of what your posture is on that or how you think about that. Most of our work looks more at the team level. So there's the whole company level. So we look for like macro trends, like what mm-hmm. are commonalities where the where we're statistically confident the entire company is impacted by a low driver, right? Yeah. And then what can we do about it? But then also it's kind of at that team level where it's basically, it's a central question of, what are multiple people on the same team having challenges with? And then and then solving that, because that is really what unlocks a scaled culture. Now, the other side of it does matter. I would just say that's probably best served by coaching managers on how to have create psychologically safe environments that are yeah. full of feedback. And if you combine those two things together, that's really how you can, at the individual level, then uncover kind of what is personally motivating or what is blocking an individual from their success. Yeah. And in terms of kind of time frames and like how long does it take to really kind of collect the data, analyze the data, develop strategies, implement the strategies, see results, have those results can really turn into impact. I mean, what's what's the cycle time look like for the kind of work that you do? Yeah, it's pretty fast, pretty quick process. So from the time we run an assessment to when we're back in front of the senior leadership team, um, talking them through the data is about nine days. It's a pretty quick process. And then we're kind of coaching them on what actions to take based on the data and making sure they're aligned on what the data says, too. That's the benefit of an outside party. We're not political. We're not. We don't have an agenda. We're just here's what the data says and where we're statistically confident. If you focus, it will drive results. The other thing, too, though, for us is because of that speed. If you think back to like what I was sharing earlier with like annual surveys, for example, Mm -hmm. one of the reasons they didn't work was because you'd run this massive survey. And then because you're not doing it again for a whole other year, your actions have to feel so grand. Grandiose. <laughs> and yeah. it's like, and so then by the time the year's over, nobody even remembers what you committed to, but for you, it just like exhausted you. Our thought is by asking more frequently and improving the conversation between leaders. So, you know, we run this two to four times a year inside of a company. So it's just a rhythm. And what it does, it allows leaders and managers to pick smaller actions, communicate them back, verify they're the right actions, and then just read, hey, did it make progress? Did it make progress? Are we making progress? Kind of yeah. changes the nature of what feedback is. Yeah, no, I like it. I'm, my background was lean, agile software development. And, you know, certainly that whole kind of lean revolution of, you know, two week iterations and, you know, delivering working software and getting feedback and iterating, like all that was revolutionary there. And I just see it playing out in so many different parts of business now. And, and you know, this is yet another example of, you know, do shorter cycles, implement smaller changes that are more specific to the data you're getting, and then adjust and evolve as you go, you know, verify it, that it really works, see what the next issue is, did something change. I mean, I, I think that so much of 
of this is if this cycle time is long, but if you know if you're doing this annual an annual survey cycle, you know, and you're looking at implementing something six months, nine months after you've taken the survey, the fact is things have changed. Right. <laughs> In our world today, right. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. If you would have done, if you were implementing changes that were based on a survey you did last December, you were you were in <laughs> at a bad situation, right? Yeah. Because the things that are happening now or the things that are affecting people now are radically different than what they were, you know, last December. It, it's also, just to add to that, like, it's also yeah. just not transparent enough for the culture anymore. Like, yeah. that did work 20 years ago, but if, you know, in the last 10 years, since the iPhone came out, your yeah. employees, while working on the job, can look for other jobs, <laughs> apply for yeah. other jobs, write yeah. reviews about your job, yeah. and so what it does is it elevates, it holds leaders to a standard they should have been held to for a long time, which is, like, radical transparency, authenticity, you know, and like having the conversations. You can't just once a year <laughs> have a conversation with your employees about the state of things. It is more of an iterative kind of authentic back and forth now. Yeah. I'm curious how the work that you do and the data you collect, insights you create kind of feeds into some of that strategy side for the for the leadership team in terms of I can imagine that you develop a lot of insights, right? You're collecting data, you see lots of patterns, you can see a lot of things that you could potentially do. How do you help a leadership team kind of sort through all the things that are coming up and decide, you know, strategically which ones are really going to have the impact not only for the company now, but where the company needs to be and wants to be in the future. And talk to me a little bit about how you inform or how you help a leadership team figure out how to execute strategically by having this kind of insight and this kind of engagement data. Well, there's a couple foundations to it. So we we believe in like a following a methodology. So we follow a fixed methodology where if you ask predictable questions, you can they will lead to predictable results. Mm-hmm. And so based on a variety of scenarios, right, what it does is it gives us statistical confidence on where to focus. So the simple version is when we look at an org, say, you know, you're listening, it's a 250 person company or 500 person company. We run that assessment across the entire company, but then we're also running a really quick scientific calculation that says, hey, of all the things you could focus on, we are confident this one area is the thing that is most impacting your engagement. And so by focusing that, even though we measure a lot and we gather lots of data, our goal is not to impress people with how much data we collect. Our goal is to, is to actually whittle that down to go, what is the main story that the leadership needs to hear like where do they need to focus and so that's the the simple way to sift through a lot of data is just by running calculations that give us confidence on where the actual hot buttons are inside the org yeah yeah it seems like that that um prioritizing and focusing your energy and resources i mean i always say that you know you can find lots of problems in a business (laughs) there's there's always a long list of problems the question is always well which ones should we even bother solving like which ones are really gonna change our results change our impact really get us where we want to be well in many ways that's why doing things like this are often less work rather than more work because a lot of the things like leadership's already like exhausted because they're like trying lots of things but by it almost gives you permission to say no to certain yeah, things, but yeah, then exactly. to really focus and do the right things with excellence. Yeah, no, excellent. So in terms of how, you know, if you're a leader inside of a service-based company right now, like what are some of the questions that you suggest people ask in terms of, you know, beginning to get a handle on more insight around your engagement, like what's going on with your people, what might be, you know, really holding you back from a company point of view? What are some things you can give to folks that would help them start this process? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, why. I think to start, if you're just talking about fundamentals without like a system, I think your key is like, as, as a leader, am I creating?
creating a forum beyond just saying like my door is open for mm. for receiving feedback. So yeah. being proactive, even if you have like open door, like be proactive uh, with your people. The other is, am I peeling back the curtain on the decisions that I make, um, mm. especially right now? So people don't have to agree with your decisions, but are you? Are you candidly sharing the way that you came to that decision? And mm-hmm. and what we found is that most employees will be willing to follow as long as they understand the criteria and how you made made the decision. And then if you're just talking practically around questions, I mean, I think the most critical things right now are for an employee are the authenticity of leadership, the purpose of the business, like the employees want to know that the business exists for a noble purpose. And so yeah. have you explained like, and it, your listeners are a great example. There are multiple people listening whose companies do very similar things. And so, but you, what your employees want to know is, but what makes us different? Why do mm-hmm. we need to exist in the world? And so making sure you're doing that and then your employees want to feel like they're improving, like they're getting better. So do your employees have one thing named that they need to improve or get better at? And do you have a plan in place that's helping them improve in that way? Yeah, no, great questions. This has been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, about Amplify, what's the best way to get that information? Sure. So Amplify, you can find us at Amplify.com. And probably the easiest way to connect with me is on LinkedIn. So my LinkedIn is just LinkedIn.com backslash Meet Adam. So pretty simple way to connect with me there. And I'm happy to answer any questions you have if you connect with me over there. Awesome. I will make sure that those links are in the show notes so that people can click through and get that. Adam, it's been a pleasure. I love talking about strategy and about culture. I just think that these are things that challenge so many service businesses. And I think we had some great ideas, great takeaways, and, and the whole idea of reflecting on this as a leader and you know taking the time around self-care, I think is a, uh, is a great one as well. So I appreciate you taking the time today. Yeah, thank you, Bruce. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to Scaling Up Services with business coach Bruce Eckfeldt. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at scalingupservices.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at scalingupservices.com slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.